building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In this episode, Angela and Patty will be exploring criticism and how to respond without it overtaking your emotions. When we thought about this topic, we wanted to look at it from the point of view of how you handle being criticized in your personal relationships as well as your work environment. Some people say that millennials and Gen Z are more sensitive to criticism and they don't respond very well or proactively to criticism. And instead they get demotivated by being criticized. So that can be at school or at home or at work as they uh, grow up as children. So if you're a millennial or anyone actually, we'd love to hear your point of view. How do you feel about criticism? Do you want it reframed in more positive language? Can you handle someone saying they don't like something about what you did? Can you distinguish between criticism about something you did or said versus criticism about you personally? And do you find that older generations language is phrased in a more critical way that you just don't like. Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you rather than telling you <laughs> what, what people say about you. So we're also going to share a little bit what it was from our point of view, Patty and myself, our experience of being on the receiving end of criticism when we grew up. School was very critical in my experience in the 70s, 80s and 90s. But then in the 90s and 2000s, there was a shift in the language towards children and less so to university students. I was in university in the 90s, but definitely towards children. And a lot of my friends are in education and that's how I found out about the shift in language. So the shift in positive language towards children was to boost up the child before you gave them critical feedback. <laughs> so it became a positive language framework or positive education framework. And the format of giving critical feedback was never to call the child wrong or label them as wrong. Rather, you had to discern that what they were doing was not accurate, not meeting the goal of an exercise or not meeting the desired outcome of the lesson, the game or the activity. And when you gave feedback, you had to focus on first what was positive about the child's behaviour and then give the critical feedback of what was not meeting the outcome of the exercise. So 20 years on, how was this different today? Today in education, I think, well, certainly in Australia, there's, a, there's more emphasis on make, not making children wrong because there is more emphasis on the emotional 
well-being of the child much more than there was 20, 30 or 50 years ago. In childhood, I don't remember much criticism taking place at home. In school, however, I do remember it taking place by teachers and other kids, bullying, teasing, and unkind words. I remember my mom saying, oh, the boy likes you. That is why he's so mean to you. I thought, that is so stupid. It makes me not want to like him at all. So here's a message to you guys out there. This is definitely not the way to get a girl to like you. Also, another thing, teachers would also use the red pen all over your paper instead of explaining how to do it correctly or by making you the example of what not to do. Ugh. Yeah, I remember being made the example. Yes. <laughs> That's so frowned upon in Australia now. And I have younger kids in school, friends of mine, and they just call out teachers if they do that. You, you know, kids these days in Australia tell off teachers if they do behaviour like that, which is expected when we grew up or when I grew up. And I think it's really odd that a boy might think that being mean, that's a, that's a way to communicate. So it's sort of made, accommodated it in our world. And sometimes children say mean things because they actually don't know how to speak kindly. And they think sometimes that being tough is being, is better than being kind. And kids will just continue to keep speaking in a mean way unless they're corrected. So I think the way you and I grew up, Patty, it was still okay to publicly make an example of people for doing the wrong thing at school. But now perhaps in the school environment, that's not so acceptable, acceptable because it's generally perceived that it's not okay to make children feel bad. But perhaps now in our world, we make it acceptable in other places in society with adults or in social media or in the workplace to make people the wrong person or don't be that guy. And, and we, we still make it okay to shame people publicly. And that's still not okay, but it seems to be okay in our world or acceptable. I think for me, the most criticizing I experienced was in the workplace. Some people want to help and make you better, while others want to suck the enthusiasm and confidence right out of you. I found that spiteful criticism, gossip, hostility, pitting employees against one another, and no empathy or compassion occurred in the workplace often to keep staff in compliance anxious, afraid, controlled, while experiencing self-doubt and stressed out. My gosh, I feel suffocated just hearing about it. So how, how does this trigger us? I find that this way of being um, almost like cornering people in the workplace is about trying to control people to meet that workplace's goals, which will be different depending on the workplace. If your workplace is about making money, that gives the organization justification to be 
hard on you and pushy to meet those goals. But also a school environment can also be oppressive to the staff because the staff have to meet these strict expectations of the school to meet the school's reputation, their academic outcomes, and now with other things to also meet government regulate regulations. So whether you are whether you are receiving this criticism when you're a child or whether you're getting in the workplace, it's always going to be triggering any stories that you have about criticism from when you were a young child, from your early life. And you will find that a key event in your childhood can flavour all of your later experiences in life. So I'll give you a classic example, my example. When I grew up in first grade in Australia at seven years old, I didn't finish a story writing task. And I still to this day remember how bad I felt about not finishing. The task was a creative story that we had to write and I couldn't do it. The teacher kept me and a few other kids back at recess to let us finish. And she wasn't really mean in my memory. It was me that was very hard on myself and critical about myself. I felt paralyzed. I felt, I can't do this. I'll never be able to finish this story. And I still remember I drew an owl that was somehow part of this story and I very much remember viscerally in my body, the fear inside me and the fear of what the teacher would think if I didn't finish. I actually don't remember to this day the outcome of that incident. I definitely didn't finish the story because I keep remembering that I, I didn't, I was constantly beating myself up for not finishing that task months later. And I think the teacher had given up at that point and let it go, but I hadn't forgotten about it. I was still living in fear for most of my school life about completing tasks at school and meeting the teacher's satisfaction. So from my memory at the time, she was a little frustrated, but right now to this day, <laughs> I can still have a flare up of hot sensations in my body when I have to finish a task and I feel I can't. It's a fear of not finishing to some finish line or some expectation of another person. And the biggest critic is always myself. The teacher in my memory from childhood was just sort of, you know, letting the task go. But I held on to the insecurity of not completing the task. So <laughs> lesson moral of the story is if you have a trigger from childhood, and you can recognize that trigger as an adult and not get sucked into it, that's how you can start to change your relationship to criticism. However, most of us don't do that. <laughs> so, but Patty's got some really good questions to ask to help you get unstuck in the, in the emotion, to help you start handling that emotion and any fears of receiving criticism? Receiving criticism doesn't have to stop you from reaching your goals, success, or having confidence. 
but it can paralyze you and do damage if you continue to rehash it over and over. Quickly reflect on the criticism received. Is it valid? Is this person trying to be helpful or harmful? If harmful and not useful, ignore it and move on. If the person is trying to be helpful, is it something that needs to be corrected? If yes, how, when, and where can you do this? When someone responds or writes a negative comment about you, keep focused on your good intentions and previous achievements. Some people purposefully will tear down the work of others. They get a thrill seeing others miserable and hurt by their actions. Listen to your intuition and discern who these people are. Yes, and often those thrill-seeking critical people are there to help trigger those old feelings of hurt about being criticized as children. I was recently asked by uh, a young person I know about that and she just didn't understand why why do people do that and I had to explain to her some of the things that we're sharing in this podcast that some people don't know how to talk kindly there could be another agenda there and she reminded me that as children we actually don't know how to respond to people who are just being mean we don't we don't know what to do often we go into paralysis or avoidance or shock or just don't know what to do but as an adult we have an opportunity to feel the fear or the hurt from the past that maybe you didn't know how to respond maybe you were just in shock and we can create a different response and if I get a fear triggered by being criticized my action has to definitely look at my own fear first and see if I'm overreacting from my fear of not meeting others' expectations. And that way I can try to work out, is that person really mean or am I reading meanness into what they're saying? And this I would use especially if it's an email or a letter or a text. Yes, because those can be misinterpreted. So easily. Yes, very easily. Um, you read into it instead of what maybe what the real intent was. When others are critical of you, remain calm when expressing yourself. Consider their feedback and look at things from their perspective and approach the situation with an open mind so that you can understand their point of view. What may appear like negative criticism to you may end up helping you in the end. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm trying to remember a time I got emotional about criticism and then later realized, ah, oh, actually that person wasn't being mean. They were simply pointing out something that didn't work in order to help me. I know it's happened plenty of times. Can do you think of a time when that happened to you, Patty? I remember when I was first promoted as a supervisor, my manager gave me some great advice. She said to me, 
I have been a manager for 30 years. And I learned that you never know who will be your boss someday. It could be one of your employees. So always treat your employees with respect. I thought that was the best advice anybody could ever give somebody. And I actually called her last month and told her that I really appreciated her and that she was the best boss I ever had. And, um, yeah, she was special. People who provide you with feedback, helpful feedback, want you to be successful and achieve your goals. It may be hard to hear it, but remind yourself of their intentions and thank the person who gave you the constructive criticism. By thanking them, this is reflecting gratitude, which calms your knee-jerk reaction to criticism and becomes more open to others' feedback. I also remember having a boss that would look for everyone's weaknesses. When he found one, he would exploit it. He would also talk down to you and be very disrespectful, especially to women. He loved gossip to run through the office. The more hurtful and untrue, the better. It was hard working for someone who was so disrespectful and degrading. I learned a valuable lesson on how not to treat people from having a boss like him. What I notice is different from the 70s, 80s and 90s and now this period is that back then we were more used to having mean people or sexist or racist people in the workplace and in our culture and we accommodated that. We would think internally, oh well that's just how they are or that's just how it is, like your boss. <laughs> but now there is an expectation that people should be better behaved and I really don't think that that's realistic. People don't stop being mean unless they were raised or trained to think about how to talk more kindly to people and unless they're taught how to give constructive feedback and criticism. And you can't force people to change behaviour as an adult if they have had ingrained bad ways of talking, negative ways of speaking to people and ingrained ways of criticizing others when they are when they grow up. However, you can change how you react to their way of communicating and be an inspiration of how to talk with more room for improvement versus tearing people down. Here's some tips on how to handle criticism. Determine the intent. Is it helpful? Respond calmly and be open to the feedback. Reflect and act on the constructive criticism. Is this criticism a battle worth discussing? Limit your time or remove yourself from those who are in the habit of criticizing to harm. If you're upset, ask yourself, why am I upset? There's often a trigger here from your emotional wiring from some event in the past. And that could be clouding your ability to see how to respond to the criticism 
if you feel the person is mean, as Patty suggested, how important is this to address? Do you need to address the language used? Do you just need to address what behaviour needs to be changed on your side or also on their side and then move on? And as Paddy mentioned, is it a battle worth discussing or is it better left unsaid? Personal relationships can be very different from work relationships here because with some of our loved ones, we sometimes feel more intimacy and connection to discuss the way the criticism was delivered. However, some of your personal relationships, you might just have to accept that is the way the person is. And sometimes the way they talk can be critical because of how they were raised. It does not mean they're a bad person. They were raised to be spoken to or criticized in that way. And that's how they talk with you. If my grandmother was alive today, she was quite a tough woman. In fact, she was called the B word in her village. <laughs> And she used to scream. People heard the screams outside the house. That's how she was raised. And that's how she talked to the kids. Now, her kids, who are my mum and my aunts and uncle, they talked slightly better than her. <laughs> but they still spoke like that because that's how they were spoken to. And I just accepted that's how they were. They were loud and awful at times. And at other times, they weren't. So there was improvement. And I every day, I... I remember my roots <laughs> and I, I learned how to master that, that dark side of the family. But it's not as if I can just expect it to disappear from my mum my and, and her generation. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we all have encountered someone who enjoys criticizing others. They may come across like they don't care or don't even know how to behave in a professional setting or don't even realize their behavior is unprofessional. How do most people usually respond? Avoidance. They would rather avoid the situation instead of addressing the unprofessionalism. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Many supervisors, whether new or experienced, shy away from confrontation, thinking that the behavior will go away. Well, I'm gonna tell you folks, it, in most cases, the behavior gets worse because it's not dealt with. Calmly explain to the unprofessional person how to be treated with respect. Give an example of what is respectful and courteous. Before you approach the person, think about how they will respond. Have a plan of action on how to communicate with recommended solutions. Be prepared. Will they accept the feedback or react unkind towards you? Patty, it sounds like you're outlining something that you help people in your coaching work with, right? Yes. <laughs> because it can be very difficult to game plan your strategy of working with people in toxic work environments or even not so toxic. And creating a plan can be difficult if you're in the emotion and also if you don't know how that person's going to respond. So a coach can help you work through those and bounce the ideas around 
and learn how to manage the emotions and look at some choices around the difficult conversations. You're right, Angela. Having a coach to help you develop a plan and write out what you want to say. You can role play with the coach and practice on how, how it is to be delivered and be received. Here are some words of wisdom. No matter how awful someone treats you, remember the concept that hurting people hurt others. Stop, reflect, and walk away. I know it's hard to walk away when emotions overtake you. However, just because you don't react it doesn't mean you didn't notice the behavior or accept it. The only way to stop a toxic person is to not engage with them. Address the situation later when you both have time to think it over and calm down, not in the heat of the moment. If you can get a coaching session in to help digest and explore the situation to resolve or handle it, I know there are times when things need immediate attention. Just remind yourself to keep your emotions in check and follow the tips we have given here. Sometimes responding in anger makes you look like the fool in front of others and may cost you your career opportunities or relationships. If you have a topic or a question for us, please leave us a message on the Anchor app. Do you enjoy our podcasts? How about becoming a supporter? Click on the support button in the Anchor app. By supporting this podcast with donations, it will help us continue to produce future episodes. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.